0: Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, uh, Med Family. I am your host Eric Acker with Karen. Hey guys. Hey, oh, kind of doing a short little update because I think we're going to try to do two this week. Um, the quick update is that we did, in fact, match. Yay. We got our uh, <laughs> we got a notice uh, yesterday morning, so Monday morning notifying us that we matched. So that was very exciting. If anything, actually, Karen. Uh, got the notification and woke me up and let me know and I just rolled over and went back to sleep. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> still doing nights nice. on um, currently on the seven PM to five AM shift. So in a way it was kind of nice that Eric wasn't obsessively refreshing his email every five minutes like he did when like step one score and step two score came in. So Yeah in a way I guess it was a little less stressful for him In a sense, I guess I don't
0: know. Yeah, definitely, (laughs) definitely less stressful. Honestly, like it, I don't know. Like we, you do all these tests, and you just like, you know, it's going to come out, so you just keep refreshing and drive yourself nuts. But getting off at I don't know 5 a.m. in the morning, coming home and just crashing and going to sleep, and then like you're just so tired, you don't even wake up for the, (laughs) you don't even wake up for the email at 10 o'clock. So uh, I was glad that Karen could just check it. For me, be the, the be worried for me, I guess, while I was peacefully asleep. <laughs> but yeah, we got our match. We do not know where. That is just how the system works. It allows the people who did not match a chance to do the soap um, in the next few days, and then I think people in the soap will. Uh, have interviews and make their selections so on Thursday they will know where they are going to go if they've soaped and successfully matched with somebody and then Friday afternoon we will be finding out where we will be going so it's a little bit of a process uh, but I, quite honestly I'm just happy to not be uh, worried about matching I guess <laughs> I know like you, you lead up you know, you do t- you did we did 10 interviews we which was our goal we, we the goal was to get 10 and the statistics say that you know 10 interviews you should have a pretty like a 98 99% chance of matching but you i think everyone even the people who had like 20 interviews from what i could tell were really like stressing and being a little anxious about like okay should i have done more uh, some people uh, actually had more than 20 and turned down some and then I think we're (laughs) I think we're regretting it towards the end like maybe I should have done those last few interviews and uh, to make sure I had a shot at you know any program possible I, I think everyone just gets nervous at the very end unless you have a program reaching out to you and with some high confidence saying we want you you're in our top 10 or whatever like and then you're also like you want them uh, unless you have that i think which is, i think is technically not allowed according to the match rules you're just um, everyone's a little anxious i know i was uh so it's a huge weight off the shoulders to just i've matched now i just need to find out where uh, i've you know i've obviously ranked my programs and the ones i think are the best to the ones i think aren't um They don't have as many attributes as I was looking for, but I think at the end of the day, I'm just going to be happy to land a residency, so we'll find out on Friday.
1: Yeah, and realistically speaking... During our rank process, like, we could be happy with anywhere in between our, what, top six?
0: Yeah, we, top six, seven were pretty good. We're pretty um, the bottom it. three, I mean, we, we, we can make it work. We can be happy there. We can find a like. We're not going to be miserable with any of our ten.
1: No. Um, they just don't have as, as much um, going for them as... As we would like just with the direction that eric wants to go and that's fine i mean it doesn't mean that they're a bad program it just means that we think that eric is going to want to specialize and so we were trying to set him up with places that can help him towards that goal and so those programs didn't have as much support in that regard so that's the only reason why but realistically speaking, we would be very happy within anywhere within the top six.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um So, yeah, uh, just, but like Karen mentioned earlier, I'm doing my ED rotation. Now I'm on the 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. shift, which kind of stinks. It's not not ideal. Uh, not my favorite. <laughs> There's not a lot of things that happen in the ED after 3 a.m., so you have a couple hours of just kind of milling around and not doing a whole lot. And, there's just not yeah just not a lot that happens, and so uh, it it does it, it's you know time still goes by pretty quick, but it's just a long day, and then you go home, sleep, and then you wake up around I don't know ten to between ten and uh, noon, and then you have a limited amount of time to kind of hang out with the family, do stuff, and get things done, and before you do it again, and you just I don't know, completely out of sync with what you're used to, like used to sleeping at night being awake most of the day <laughs> so it's just a, a weird rotation uh we've been most of the time the rotation i mean you know i try to go see patients before the doctor sees them sometimes i'm successful sometimes i'm not if i see a laceration that shows up i try to make my presence known so that the people in the fast track or the armat area know that i'm there and i want to do it and that's always been kind of a hit and miss there's certain pas and or nps whichever is there uh, that typically handle the lacerations just because they're uh, pretty low acuity Um, and so they Certain ones will be like, here you go, take take the kit, get the suture kit, get everything ready, and just do it. And certain ones are wanting me wanting to be be more supervised, which is interesting. It's it's. I mean, I, I've been doing a fair number of them now, so I don't. I'm still a fourth year medical student. I'm not a doctor, so I haven't gone through residency, so it's fine. I don't mind having a little bit of supervision. Sometimes some supervision's a little bit much compared to others, but uh, overall. Not the worst experience. Uh, <laughs> I've I've had some really interesting sutures. Uh, I mean, anything from box cutters, which is I think your bread and butter. Someone who cut themselves on a knife, uh, to uh, I don't know, a door hit them in the face, or uh, they jumped a fence and tore a little bit off of one of their testicles. Um, so um, kind of a lot of everything. So I've, I <laughs> I've the face had face to the groin, face groin, arms. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've had a lot. i heard had a pretty good number of sutures play, so uh, a lot more confident. I, I will admit, like I think on one of the patients I worked on, I used Vicryl. Uh, it was like an eyebrow wound. The person had fallen and hit their head on something and had like a little gash above the eyebrow. I cleaned it out, um, and the physician wanted me to just go ahead and suture them up, so I, I was doing it. But I did it with Vicryl, which is white and it kind of blended in well with this gentleman's uh, gray eyebrow. So <laughs> it was really hard to see the sutures. And then on top of that, probably should have done nylon. Uh, it's probably okay that the doctor looked at it, kind of commented on that, and just said it's going to be fine. So I'm going to take his word on it. Um, but that that was not my my proudest moment. Uh, but that was a, a couple weeks ago. So I haven't had that issue in uh, a week or so. Um. Other things I think are kind of funny, like when certain PAs are helping you with the suturing, like they only bring one suture, uh, one needle and thread with them. And then when you're watching them, because they they like this, these particular PAs like want to start the suture and then they will let you finish. And like when you watch them do it, they're like taking their bites. And then when they tie, they have like, like six inches on the end or like three to six inches. You're like, oh my gosh, they're using so much, so much thread because at the end, like, you do your ties, well, then there's that six inches left off that you just had to cut. And so, like, well, that means the thread just got six inches shorter. Um, and then they, they didn't give you any backup, so you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be, like, down to, like, barely anything at the end. And it makes it really tricky to do. So, that's always kind of funny to watch that happen and you just know what's going to happen to you. Um, and you just try to make it work, I guess. But that's been... Yeah, well, maybe, that's the ED. maybe
1: for listeners who are going to go through an ED rotation, how does your this ED set up? Because you do I, – I didn't know how it worked, but it does seem like the NPs or the PAs will go out and kind of um, triage based off of
0: – Yeah, so, yeah, uh, my – and again, this is, well, uh, I should be better versed in how the operations go, but essentially what I can tell is that a patient comes, if they're just walking in the lobby, they get, they go up to the, the desk and there's a nurse there checking people in. And the nurse will, um, I don't know, they check them in, they do a quick assessment on what they're coming in for. Uh, maybe a nurse will take them back and do vitals and just kind of get a really quick like one-liner, why are you here? and get an idea of is this a very emergent situation or is this something that can wait they rate them uh one through five um one being like we have to see you right away you have to get straight to the back um and five being you have a toothache and we don't do that here uh i I don't want to say that you don't do that but it's like it's so low acuity that it's like i can talk to you i can get you Packaged up and sent off without like having you go back and see a provider something like something that really low Uh, So a lot of these last variations are like threes or fours. So they're pretty low on that list Whereas, like, you have chest pain uh, with shortness of breath that, and with a history of stroke or heart attacks, then you get to, like, level two. Um, you know, level ones are the people who are, like, actively in respiratory depression and stuff like that. The people who are being dropped off by their friends at the front door for a drug overdose. Those are the ones. Those are the number ones. Um, Cue the Narcan. Yeah, we've actually had a few, uh, at least once that while I was there, we did Narcan on some individual networks actually really well, uh, surprisingly, <laughs> um, and I don't think I've ever seen it work. Uh, I, I've heard of it, you know, I've heard of Narcan, I think all medical students have heard of Narcan in some level, but uh, I had never watched it be administered and watched it take effect, and it takes effect really quick. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so the nurse will do a kind of a quick assessment. Sometimes a PA will come out there and do another assessment as well. And, and when I say PA, it's NP or PA, you know, one mid level. I, I don't know if they particularly like being called mid levels, but um, just for our sake of being brief and somewhat concise, let's just do that. Um, they so they will do a quick screening, um, label the acuity, and then like as the rooms come available, the patients get sent to certain rooms. Um, it's it's a little odd to me. Like there's RMET, which is like a rapid medical evaluation treatment something or other um, center, and it's it, I've been in other ERs that basically call it fast track. You know, low acuity get you know get them get them in a spot, get them assessed, get them some treatment and then send them on their way. Um, But I don't know. I I don't know if it's fair to call this place fast track because there's definitely patients there that are like level two acuities and are gonna go to the floor. So it's uh, always interesting to have a patient who's gonna go to the ICU in RMAT because they're doing a lot of work. um, And not ICU as in like ventilator, but ICU as in like they're very, very sick. so RMET, I'm not quite sure if I always understand what the purpose of RMET, because a lot of the doctors prefer to stay in the main ER area where it's like A-pod, B-pod, and C-pod with critical care rooms and trauma rooms. Uh, So three critical care, three traumas. So they like to try to stay in those areas, and they like to try to avoid going to Armet when possible. (laughs) Um, So the
1: mid-levels really run
0: Armet. Yeah, the mid-levels typically run ARMET, but then again, you had the flip side of that where mid-levels aren't supposed to take on like high-acuity patients. Uh, They really do need to have a doctor when it comes to those higher-acuity. That's not because like they don't have any experience. It's just I think that's generally how it's worked out in a lot of ERs is the mid levels take care of the low stuff, the, the kind of the, the easy stuff, and the doctors take care of the harder stuff. And so, yeah, it's just it's a whole process. And you know, there's like, as soon as you check in, depending on what you present with, the nurses have protocols that they run. And sometimes it's like, okay, well, you come in with a fever, we're going to run this set of labs. You have chest pain, we're going to run these imaging. And so it's immediately like a, a reflex process where you come with one symptoms the responses a bunch of labs and orders go this direction even before you've seen a provider so uh one could argue whether that's best practice but i think as far as efficiency that makes sense that by the time the doctor might see a patient you have some labs in his hands he has some imaging to look at he might be able to rule out a few things Uh, so that's essentially how it works Uh, and it's not it's not not the rule for every time everything like so sometimes patients will come in and they'll have one set of issues and the the reflex orders have been placed but haven't been done so the doctor will see them before any orders have been like any labs have been drawn so it's i don't know that's this is how this er kind of works and i still haven't really totally figured out all the ins and outs it looks like the doctors are typically two on at a time they just sign up for whatever patient they want and then you go see them and when it gets close to the end of their shift they're more focused on offloading their patients like admitting uh discharging those sort of things than they are picking up new ones so and and, And again, very briefly, just from what I've been catching from small conversations here and there, it appears that the physicians are part of like a group of ER doctors that gets, you know, they take assignments on different ERs and they get paid like a base salary and then they get paid RVUs or like as they take on lots of patients, they get paid more. Um, But basically just for showing up, they get paid a certain base rate and then, you know, the more patients they take, the more they get paid. Uh, So that's Essentially, how it works on a financial side. Yeah. I don't know how the PAs work. I, I would just assume that the PAs are probably just salary, um, but I, I, none none of the PAs have ever mentioned anything like that.
1: Yeah, and the medical record system is back up. Yay. Going, Yay! Yeah, we don't have to <laughs> do paper anymore.
0: That so, was awful.
1: Yeah, that that I think last
0: Meditech uh, is so, never looked so good.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that was a uh, the last. Uh, Episode that they were still on paper, and I think a day later they, they it got back up and running. Yeah, it was well
0: six days later.
1: Oh,
0: yeah, oh. We, were, we were down for six days.
1: So I don't know. Um, yeah, two more shifts tonight and tomorrow, and then he is officially done. I'm done. <laughs> and then I
0: get my diploma at the end of the month. I will be a full fledged doctor, provided I don't do anything to mess up this shift uh, and. Um, but yeah, I, I get my match results on Friday, so we are we're doing really good. Everything seems to be falling in place, knock on
1: wood. Uh, <laughs> now we just need to uh, pack fun. up everything and be out of here by the end of May. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, we we, we 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 have a good landlord that we we work with, and if we need a little bit longer, I'm sure she would work with us on it. So we just need to know where we're going and start making a plan. I think Karen probably has six plans in her mind right now, but...
1: I have a few, but I think it kind of depends on where we're going to end up. Yeah, I'm I'm more content. I'm more content just waiting
0: for Friday to go by. I mean, four days is nothing. Nothing planned is going to get done in four days, so get to Friday. Find out where we're matching. um, Start communicating with the programs. Start figuring out like what their onboarding system looks like. What. Um, their orientation stuff looks like and then trying to uh, act accordingly. So if they need us there earlier, then, you know, make those plans. But yeah, we have a kind of a lot ahead of us. We just need to know where we're going to go. And honestly, I I am curious. I am anxious to know, but I am not nearly as stressed or as anxious as I was uh, over this week last weekend (laughs) looking looking at the match email on uh, Monday. So we are doing good and then we our school is putting on a a match day celebration so we i guess we're going to get all of our matches on uh, email about the same time so there's going to be a part of the ceremony where we all just pause and check our emails and find out where we're going to go so that's interesting uh, i don't know if i would have preferred that uh as opposed to just kind of having a, a quiet time with my family when we looked at it and then have a celebration after but the school is putting on this pretty cool celebration um it should be interesting hopefully a lot of fun and i don't know all the cohort people i've been in medical school with so far like who have made it all the way to this point um everyone i know of has matched so this is um everyone's pretty happy everyone's pretty uh pretty happy that everyone is matched um there's not very many soaps uh, and soaps you know you're not a bad person for soaping it's just um it's it's tough it's not it's not the ideal way to get into a residency it's um, a stressful process so uh, any of you guys out there doing that I'm, I'm really sorry I, you're it's probably a, you're probably a great medical student you're probably good just something didn't Land quite right or something like that, but hopefully the soap process is as uh, as good as it can be, and you get a good spot. Uh, there's lots of residencies out there apparently that haven't gotten filled, um, but I have heard like okay, so they are a home hospital here. Uh, their family medicine residency program matched a hundred percent. They don't they're not going to soap anybody, which is probably I think the first time in a couple years that they've had that. Um, But then there's like emergency medicine where uh, I think we were looking at some statistics lately. I think last year it was like 300 positions went unfilled for emergency medicine. medicine. And um, I think there's some talk this year that 500 positions have gone unfilled. So I don't know how much of those positions they are soaping because programs can choose to soap or not soap. Uh, And then, of course, internal medicine. I think, did you say last year like only like 50 or so slots went unfilled or something like Uh, that?
1: Yeah, I would have to look at the numbers.
0: Yeah, so every specialty is a little bit different. So I think family medicine probably has larger numbers. But again, the more competitive the specialty, the harder it is to soap into. So anyone who's in that process, I I don't have any advice really, honestly, besides just some encouragement. You can do it. Just stick stick with it. Um, Hopefully you land someone. We know somebody last year who soaped. And it sounds like he really enjoys where he landed and ended up. So sometimes it just works out for the best that way.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's an interesting, interesting process. <laughs> I'm glad it went well for most everybody we know, um, and for us as well. That was a relief, and we are looking forward to the next steps. next step. We are
0: employed. We will be making money at some <laughs> point. <laughs> we will stop spending all the money and getting loans. We will start making money. So, that's a whole different animal, though, because... You know, every year you could adjust your loan and get more money, whereas uh, in residency, we will have a fixed amount of money. Everyone, I mean, literally everyone out there has a fixed income. I always find it funny when someone's like, I'm on a fixed income. It's like, well, literally everybody is on a fixed income (laughs) because no one can expand their income more (laughs) just by sheer willpower unless it's like, oh, I just need to work a few hours. But everyone is on a fixed income, but we will be truly on you know a set salary and we just had to make that work and hope it uh it all works out but um you know we've been pretty blessed this whole process i think uh god has always kind of watched out for us and continues to watch out for us so i'm, uh, I'm just happy that this is all so far worked out pretty well and we will probably do an update on friday and uh, i don't know well, if we would pub- probably we- it might come out on saturday. saturday or something i don't know we'll put we'll put something out With our quick update of where we landed, and we will go from there. You guys have a good rest of your week, and we will probably talk to you later this week.
1: Bye, guys.